Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 40K Fireside Podcast. I'm David Gaylor, and I'm joined by my good friend, Vic Vijay. Together, we discuss 40K in the meta from our perspective, along with events we've recently been to and those that have got coming up. So come on down to the fireside and listen. And welcome back to episode 33 of 40K Fireside. Vic, me, that's me. I just third person myself there. Vic is back. And um, I am so excited to be back because it's been a while since I've recorded. Dave has done a couple of really awesome episodes. He did one with Typhus uh, from Team Poland um, and also with Liam Hackett, two extremely talented players and some very insightful interviews. So check out the previous two episodes. But this episode is going to be me and Dave going through uh, more about WTC, but going through our our thoughts, our goals, our preparation for our first WTC. We are both novices, beginners. We're not not experienced in this at all. But I feel like I I know I've definitely learned a lot during this process, and and I'm sure you have as well, right, Dave? Yeah, uh, but before I want to get to that, I think that um, Mm. I was reflecting sort of on what we were going to talk about today. And after doing the last couple of episodes, I felt like we're getting back to a little bit of the core of what we originally started the podcast for, right? Which was to show our side of the story as, you know, and kind of archive our journey as 40K players, right? So um, Mm -hmm. it feels a little bit, if I'm being, you know, honest and try to be honest with the audiences, it feels a little bit more in the comfort zone when it's just us two chatting about this is what, you know, we experience and this is what we struggled with or enjoyed or something like that, right? Absolutely. And I mean, I know that tier lists, everyone loves a tier list. <laughs> everyone loves uh, a rant, you know, a, a, like discussion about the flaws of something, mm. something overpowered or a poor rule set. But, you know, our very first few episodes, like you just said, were us just talking about our journey. Mm. And it's going to be a little bit of that. And, you know, a, a priority for us was not just to talk about ourselves, but also give back to the listener. Mm some insights that we pick up with our practice with our experiences in 40k so Mm -hmm. let's uh let's try our best to do that during this episode sounds good (laughs) so we've got a little bit of um like a list of topics that we wanted to touch on um i think a big part of it is going to be our preparation Mm -hmm. Uh, me and dave are primarily singles players you know we played um quite intensively in the world singles meta and particularly within the uk mm-hmm. um but teams and especially international team events uh, at this caliber is is a completely different beast and we're going to go through the different ways that we prepared because i think we had very different approaches to our openness to discuss with other teams and mm. the the type of preparation we did i think um, uh, we're going to come to two it's this episode is probably going to contrast more than anything because your preparation is probably on one end of the spectrum and my preparations on, on the <laughs> other end of the spectrum so and then your philosophies and my philosophies probably are a lot different i feel like mm-hmm. for some context i feel because uh, okay so for some more context um because it's probably important to kind of set the scene right so you know we have our team ignite whatsapp group where that's the primary wheelhouse where during the single season, we're all together collaborating as a team, uh, much like, you know, a national team for WTC, talking about singles lists, tournaments, other players that are attending, everything like that. So that's like our bread and butter, right? That's our normal comfort zone. Uh, so for the last month, that's obviously been a rather interesting environment because it's not as if we're not all going to leave the, the team chat. 
But at the same time, we have five WTC players, what would be, would have been six and could be seven at Sunday, um, on the team, right? And a lot of these teams are either directly collaborating with one another, so Iceland and Scotland, for example, uh, or a team as, you know, first WTC, Team New Zealand, uh, or, or an established team, C2 team, Team Belgium, um, or uh, who's a bit more collaborative, or Team England, who, um, from from my perspective, and I think, I'm going to classify myself as the outsider here, like because I haven't been involved in the heavy collaboration, or I haven't gone to the meetups in Poland, or but I also at the same time my team preparation hasn't been anywhere near as intense as I think I suspect Team England's was. So I feel like I've just been a bit of a fly on the wall for the past month. <laughs> I've just been working with some people on our team, um, but Vic has been um, very absent, and that's kind of been the Team England policy. So that's just the backdrop. To, to everything. Mm-hmm. So what you guys are hearing is actually the first time Vic and I have chatted, I mean, about 40k in all seriousness, right? For a month, since, right? Yeah. So, yeah, since our Birmingham teams almost. Which is, it's uh, just the first time yeah. this has ever happened for us as well, right? And as a team, I think. Um, yeah. So And, you know, I, I think this is going to be a great opportunity to share the reasons for why certain approaches were taken for things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I hope that people find this quite interesting because a little bit of insight into Team England is probably something that people want. You yeah. know, even, let it be competitors or just people who are interested in the WTC or just want to know more about 40K. Yeah. And disclaimer, we've got Josh Roberts' tick of approval for this one. So everything... <laughs> I'm going to have to throw some jabs. I mean, I, I actually don't. So <laughs> I'm going to try and not give too much away. But we're at the stage now where lists have been released for or WTC. Yeah. Um, people know what compositions, what ideas have been put out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a fascinating psychological exercise in itself. But now I'm way more open to be able to talk about things. So I'm I'm really excited to analyze with you. And, um, and I'm and I'm not invested in anyone's outcome, believe it or not. I don't I don't <laughs> want this team to win, or you know, in all seriousness, I don't want this team to win, or I don't want that team to win. I don't I don't really care if this team wins or that team wins. In all seriousness, I just you know I only really care about my my own team and, and our goals which we're going to talk about later so when i when i'm asking some questions i'm genuinely just trying to figure stuff out because i've been feel like i've been going solo a little bit recently i've been sort of um trying to figure out this whole system sort of by myself and we had typhus and we had liam hacken i've been listening to all the contact lost episodes and <laughs> i've been trying to understand the way that a lot of the a lot of the great people in the wtc think so perhaps i've been the investigative journalist to some extent and you're the test subject in this one <laughs> well, how how about this, Dave? Why don't we um, like kick it to a bit of jazz music and then start off the episode talking about our preparation? I'll do a little monologue for for a bit, sure. just to to share some some thoughts. See you in some jazz music. So here we go. So I, I want to give a little bit of background about this because this whole preparation phase for Team England for WTC comes off the back of a few things, some for the team. One of them is what you discussed with Typhus. Team England didn't do as well as expected last mm-hmm. year. Um, and I think they highlighted a number of things that they did wrong in the preparation phase, mm. which arguably more than almost anything it feels like more than singles 
Preparation is absolutely critical to success mm -hmm. in, in teams. And preparation limits whatever kind of skill advantage players have. And almost to the point where skill advantage becomes a very small factor relative to how much people have prepared in the background. Mm -hmm. And that's something that Team England slipped on a little bit last year. Um, they, they admit that themselves. You know, they had done matrixes really late. They hadn't got all their lists together, et cetera, et cetera. And it resulted in a situation where they underperformed and it left a bad feeling. Mm -hmm. Now, Typhus was very right to analyze that because of that, I think teams like Team England and, and Team USA, as was mentioned, are probably going to come into this year like really trying to correct those mistakes. Mm -hmm. That was one thing which took me back a little bit because it was really intense, this preparation phase. Mm -hmm. And I was, it, it's kind of interesting because we're both singles players and the people that are on Team England are the people that we directly compete with in super major events, major events to try and actually win the event. Mm -hmm. yeah. So except for me and you, Dave, you know, within our team, we collaborate so much, but I don't collaborate with these people. I almost keep information away from them yeah. so that they don't gain an advantage on course, me. Yeah. Now, everything has turned around and I'm collaborating with people who I often haven't collaborated with. I believe with. that's called conspiring with the enemy, but uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Carry on. Uh, yeah, and you guys became the enemy. Yeah, it's true. Um, so... no, no, it's true. It's true. It was... <laughs> look, uh, look, we're not going to hide any BS. It was a bit adversarial <laughs> at some points. There were some words said and uh, I said some stuff at some point that I probably should have thought out a little bit better. And, you know, I didn't appreciate the fact that maybe you know, there was people were, you know, undergoing a lot of, you know, are in a lot of pressure and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I don't know, I don't really know what I'm talking about anyway. So <laughs> that was the context of that. But, you know, there was some, uh, you know, which is good, obviously, because the you know, only reason why there is that adversarial nature is because it's, you know, you believe that people on our team were obviously genuine competitors at the same time, though, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's in, in a way, it's a sign of respect mm. there. Um, and, you know, we, we're going in as a seed one team here. Um, and this is a very unique situation of going into WTC, I feel, because we're going in with indexes on the start of a completely new edition. And if you know anything about the English meta, it's that if, if there is a broken unit, <laughs> it will be spammed by uh, so much of the UK meta, as we saw with Desolation Marines, no one was talking about it online. Mm. First UK Super Major, not even a week after actual release of the models, and nine out of 10 of the top players in attendance had multiple units of Desolation Marines. So that is um, testament to the way that UK players have trained themselves to prepare for singles events. Mm. And I think going into it, at least me, I no one else said this out loud except for me, was I think one of our great strengths is our ability to analyze information, find the strongest combinations, and actually list build. We may not necessarily be the strongest players in terms of player skill or even the quantity of reps we have, but we certainly have some level of skill in list building. And there was probably an option of us um, collaborating with some of the teams which weren't in seed one, um, but only if those teams were not collaborating with other teams in seed one. So let's say that one of the teams is collaborating with Team Poland. Mm -hmm. 
we couldn't then collaborate with that team because no matter what, as you discuss ideas and things, it does tend to filter through to the wider community. And we thought potentially we'll lose an advantage on small tech pieces, mm -hmm. balanced with the risk of missing on knowledge that's gained from collaborative research. Mm. So it was, it was a very interesting thing, but I think generally the seed one teams haven't collaborated outside of Poland. Uh, potentially. I don't think USA did. I don't think Germany did. I don't believe Australia uh, did either. I base yeah, or Australia did. So amongst the seed one teams, it's not that weird to kind of keep your ideas to yourself. And you see that in some of these lists that have been released. Um, the teams which have collaborated have a lot of like similar kind of ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have some teams like Australia, UK, Germany, who've come up with different ideas to those leave teams, out Spain. but each individual idea. That's true, yes. Yeah, uh, Spain in there uh, as well, of course. Sp yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm saying from the seed one, so oh, Spain right. is, a, is a seed two in that one. And in our part as I well, know. which is quite interesting. <laughs> um, so that's how we went about it. And uh, we kind of did a very similar approach to what we did with Ignite which I found really interesting because, um, you know, you make a big matrix of all the different factions and you try and fill in the blanks with your practice. Um, and then as you kind of fill in the blanks in this, like this is how well this faction does against that faction and you build up all the squares, you can see, okay, these factions actually are doing the best. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when we did it with Team Ignite, we were going through many iterations of it where we found, okay, look, actually, you know what, Yoko, does this ma matchup actually go like this? Maybe we should test it again with a different player on mm -hmm. it. And you get a wildly different result. You discuss further and keep doing that. That phase was so incredibly challenging because about six of the factions chose themselves and we were struggling for the last two factions which i think is normal right dave did you find that as well uh um i'll just let you carry on i'll let you carry on i'm running yeah because maybe it's a completely different situation yeah. for us so we have access to every single faction there's no limitation every player will play everything faction specialists were disregarded in our wow. particular kind of approach um so you know i play eldari a lot but i'm, I'm not playing eldari i'm playing thousand suns at this event um, and Manny's playing Eldari and you could argue that I've played hundreds of games more of Eldari than Manny um, in my time um, but still we're all versatile singles players and we are able to kind of be on what's needed for the team mm. um, so we went through a long process found like the first six teams six factions struggled with the last two and then went back and some of our first six were no longer kind of correct anymore um, and we had to adjust some of those. It's a very complex process to get down to the final eight. And even as we were coming towards the list deadline, we were still picking the last faction right. in there. Mm -hmm. And in order to get the correct choice there, I was really impressed with how many reps the team was putting in and how they were collaborating both between the playing and the non-playing players. Mm -hmm. We have seven coaches on uh, Team England, so That's, I think you've seven. got just as many coaches as my team players. <laughs> okay, we have a lot, including a non-playing captain and a playing captain. So we have a huge amount of support staff, and the the coaches are not like people who don't play forty k. These right. are kind not of life people coaches. who can. <laughs> Who, these are these are people we have access to those in the uk but not in this case um <laughs> people who kind of can go for one at events and even win gts and things like mm. that um so and also people who have been etc winners in the past mm. um so yeah we have great support base to also play um factions in the matrix so 
we ended up on our lists after the preparation phase based on all of those reps within our 16 players mm. uh, playing against each other over and over again in different combinations of players diff- playing different things. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty happy overall with how it all ended. There was one last point I'll make before I let you talk, Dave. Um, there was one thing which really struck me, which is changing my mindset from winning or losing a game to allowing the team to win the game. And I think in teams, even if you lost all of your games, if you've blunted someone else from scoring as many points as they expected on their matrix, or you removed a faction from the matrix that, or from the pairings that you know is good into the rest of your team, right. that is such a huge win for your team. Um, and yeah, so that was a, a really interesting thing that I think some people on our team just naturally understand how that fits into a team's meta right. compared to a singles meta. I will be very brief because my uh, team preparation was nowhere near this expansive. Uh, well, my team, our team, I think I should say. Um, so we have the difficulties of uh, myself being in the UK. It was pros and cons to it, obviously, right? Myself being in the UK across the other side of the world and then seven people that I've never met before uh, <laughs> in New Zealand. And um, so I kind of thought, what is the best way that I could just help the team, right? Because I still need to practice and figure stuff out. Uh, and I just thought, look, I can provide a lot of connectivity between what I'm hearing over here and what I'm, you know, and I can feed that back to the guys in my team, right? Um, so that was a big focus for me. And I, and I also, because I had a bit of experience at teams, I wanted to make sure that we were dialing in, kind of hitting our milestones, so to speak, right? So about, just for us briefly, about two weeks out of list, so when, um, about a month out from the submission, uh, I, I made a, we made an Excel spreadsheet and that said, what are you interested in faction-wise? Uh, and then we kind of said, who wants to be maybe like pushers or defenders or, um, you know, text pieces or something like that. And we, yeah, we had a big thing come up. And um, then, you know, it was a two week period of just investigating and playing games. You know, we're always chatting, oh, how are you finding this and that? And then based on kind of what was happening over here and our testing internally, I kind of said, look, we need to, at two weeks from the deadline submission, we need to lock in our factions. So this is a lot different from you guys, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a couple of reasons for that. You know, one of the reason being that, uh, you know, we don't have the availability of preparation as much as a t- top team like Team England does, of course. We don't have the model availability. Um, you know, my guys are also flying out, so we need to get as much practice in as possible. And, you know, obviously fair to say that they haven't won as many tournaments. You know, there's not as accomplished singles players, for example, right? So expecting them to pick up new brand new factions and do everything like that and um, be able to perform as well as if they compared to if they were on a regular faction that they were used to, you know, just wasn't, you know, it's never going to be feasible. Um, so, yeah, we locked in our, our stuff in about two weeks beforehand. We had one little one that was um, Tyranids, so it was a bit of a question mark there. We were either going to play Tyranids or something else, depending on if the small mines got nerfed. So um, we just had a, a slot in for that one. Uh, and then, yeah, the next two weeks were just iterating upon uh, lists and whatnot like that. Um, I was working with Chris Radford from our team. I was working with uh, kind of Yoko and Brian from our team as well talking about lists and stuff like, oh, do you think this is good? What do you think about this sort of thing? Like, oh, we're kind of looking at something like this. And um, there was a there was an Aldari list that I helped, um, you know, push over the line a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Chris helped me with my Death Watch list, which was awesome. 
and then my testing with Necrons helped out with our team. And then, uh, you know, you'll see that the Eldari list that we're playing is exactly the same as uh, as Scotland's Eldari list, for example. And uh, Yeah, very powerful yeah, list. Yeah, and the GSC list is really similar because that's kind of obviously nice. Yokel's list that I, I fed for and stuff. So that was the majority of our preparation. And we've got, um, you know, we've got, uh, we're doing the matrix. So I'm sitting down with, uh, with one of our teammates tonight to do pairing simulations. So, you know, we're just kind of starting on that. And um, that was kind of our preparation. But what what I wanted to um, transition this into is something interesting that I've noticed. And I guess I, I truly do mean it when I when I feel like I've just been a bit of an outside observer because I've actually just spent a lot of time talking to other team captains and, and whatnot like that. And because I think they mm. just respect the fact that I'm like genuinely want to do well for my team. Like I'll offer them, I say, hey, you know, any advice you want on my takes on anything, I'm more than happy to provide it. Uh, but, you know, mm-hmm. I just want to know what your thoughts are on, like, what should we be focusing on and stuff like that. Um, so I've been getting, like, a lot of information there. Uh, and so in that sense, I, I feel like I'm a little bit, like, stepped back from everything a little bit, obviously because our expectations are not anywhere near as high as, uh, you know, a team like Team England, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, and one common theme that I what I saw, and this really hit home when I, I actually spoke to Liam this morning, uh, mm. was that there are some teams in the WTC now that have bizarre lists, like whack, crazy. (laughs) Yeah. For example, you know, a year ago, if you told me and I looked at these lists from a singles player's perspective, I would be like, these lists are garbage. Like, what Mm -hmm. are you doing? And that's because I just transposed my singles playing experience onto them. And after talking with a couple of people, what I quickly realized is that lists that look crazy at this level only look crazy because you don't understand what's going on absolutely and nailed it the reason and actually the teams i think i've got a little hypothesis i think the teams that have the wackiest lists may be the best pairing teams uh in the world perhaps and that's because when you understand the matrix at a level of this is these are the common pairings that are happening within the matrix you can then create skews that happen based on those common pairing matrices and I think two teams that really have exemplified that for me were Spain and Australia, and then potentially uh, 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 United States as well. I think it's pretty mm-hmm. clear that those three are the standouts in terms of their list diversity. You know, I think everyone else has got the pretty common, you know, they've got, whereas one team might have, you know, one unorthodox list. These guys have four unorthodox lists, right? Um, or four skews, for example. So I'm really interested to see how those teams perform simply because uh they're prepared they've come to just completely different conclusions haven't they and um mm-hmm. and i'm i don't have any idea of how how it's going to go because uh, these people are much better than myself so um it's a it's a clashing of the minds really in some sense i think well absolutely and the thing is all these teams would have spent hours and hours coming up to the final decisions that they did come mm-hmm. to with collaboration amongst the best minds in 40k in their country mm-hmm. and then Think about that moment when they open up the lists of other armies. Mm. Like, let's even take Eldari, for example. And, you know, some um, teams have two Wraith Knights. Some teams have 20 Wraith Guard. When the teams with two Wraith Knights open the lists with 20 Wraith Guard and only see one Wraith Knight, they'll be like, wow, our preparation was perfect. And they (laughs) missed that. And the teams with 20 Wraith Guard will open up the two Wraith Knight list and be like, wow, our preparation was so good. They missed yeah. that and they've got the extra Wraith Knight mm-hmm. instead. 
And the thing is, you have so much invested in the choices that you made that you can get blindsided if you immediately think anyone who hasn't gone for the same choices has made a mistake. And, uh, you know, I think that can lead to overconfidence. And I like looked in a little bit deeper to a few lists, which I thought on initial read was suboptimal. Okay. Example. And I'll give you an example. Um, Team Poland, Duda's Elder. Okay. I looked at it and thought, okay, there's one Wraith Knight and one Brick of Ten Wraith Guard. And then there's like Fugan in there. Why does the Autark have a Phoenix gem? Mm. Um, The Yin Khan is there, sure. Um, But there's only like one unit of Warp Spiders and one unit of Shadow Spectres, something. It just looked like there was nothing in the list. And then as you delve in deeper, you read Fugan's um, data sheet. He's the the, uh, Fire Dragon Phoenix Lord. He can get back up on a 2+. The Phoenix gem lets uh, a unit get back up on a two plus when it dies. Yeah. And then the Yin Khan teleports to the position where these guys die before they get back up. It just, there's so many like oppressive tricks in that list. And the sequencing and the flow of the way it would play on the board is fantastic mm-hmm. and it's brilliant. And it's a lot of stuff that most other teams have missed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, don't judge a book by its cover when it comes to these lists and reading them mm. I, is probably my takeaway. But uh, 180 Tyranid Bodies by Brody Middleton, which is probably is that what, Eric Lathuris list, I take it. Um, actually, no, I've, it's been confirmed that Brody actually genuinely started enjoying playing Tyranid, so it's quite funny. <laughs> now, that does bring up another point. Just because everyone's different and has practiced and come up to unique ideas does not necessarily mean either that everyone is like you're wrong, but it also doesn't mean that everyone is correct Mm -hmm. here. And there is bound to be winners and losers in terms of design choices. Well, correctness is a spectrum uh, in and of itself, right, really. It's not a binary win or lose. You know, you were correct, you weren't correct, of course, right? Absolutely. But there is a possibility, like, there, I think there are many things which sit within the uh, window of being optimal and like having fitting in. And there are also a number of things which may be suboptimal. They would be outright better if there was something else. And those are going to be the interesting things which I hope we identify. And I think it's going to be very hard to identify before WTC happens. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, exciting. It's, um... It's the kind of thing you can theorize about for a very long time, isn't it? But at, at the end of the day, you just kind of have to go, okay, who's uh, who is thing? Um, so one thing, one topic that's come up a lot of times, and I've made it a point to ask um, the guests that I've had on and the people that I've talked to is this uh, question that I've been trying to unravel, try to understand, uh, which is, which is the best team? Is it a team of champions or is it a championship team? And what I mean by that is that you can have a fantastic team on paper, and I, you know you alluded to this earlier as well. And or is it the team that works together the best? Is it the team that has the best preparation? Is it you know which is it? Is it the is it the team of champions or the or the championship team, which ultimately is the stronger uh, you know formula for success here? Oh, it's an interesting question because. You know, like when you break it all the way down, the end product of what's happening is it's eight singles matches going on, basically. Not really, not a win-loss-draw singles mm. match, but like a 20-0, you're trying to get as many battle points as you you're can. You're still playing Warhammer, right? <laughs> you're still playing Warhammer, and at that level, like that last level, player skill is, is key. Mm. Player skill gets you two or three points that you shouldn't have got. Player skill gets you a 20-0 versus getting a 12-8 win. Um, but as you go further and further up and look at the higher levels of this, there's a few people who would have motivated the team when they're down. 
you know, mm-hmm. brought them back up. And I know Anthony was talking about this in his Contact Lost pod- podcast episode, mm-hmm. where he was saying, you know, USA were down a bit and Sean Naden brought them all back up and let them carry on playing the game. Nice. That's, that's another level. And then you've got people who are good at looking at the entire team's picture. And, I, and you fall under this characteristic, Dave. These, these people are brilliant because they're able to do the pairings in a way that actually makes sense. If you tried to get me to do the pairings, it would take a year for Dave to teach me to do it anywhere like what he does. It's news to me, but um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It comes naturally to some people. You need those people. Mm -hmm. And then going a level further is the single key thing of all of this, which is your overall preparation. And that overshadows all other factors here. Your ability to work together with your team to understand your lists and build a set of lists that go that work together and suit the players that are playing mm-hmm. them is incredibly powerful and only comes with hours and hours of practice uh, if you're trying to aim at the highest levels of success of this tournament. Now, I'm going to speak for the um, Polish people who are probably yelling at their screen saying, there's no way player skill turns a 12-8 to a 20 <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I do take your point. Um, it certainly helps in the scrapping. And I think one thing that I've learned to appreciate over the time period here is that the player skill difference is a lot smaller than I would have anticipated. And actually, the amounts of preparation, like preparation is the one thing that decreases the impact of player skill at a table. You know, because you can have someone who's naturally talented and might turn up and they've only played, you know, they haven't played against all the armies and all the boards and all that stuff, right? And they might do very well. Um, But you could also have a a player who is maybe a lot more dedicated and isn't maybe as naturally as gifted prepare five times as much. And and actually, and, and all of a sudden, because they've seen this scenario once or twice before already, then they're already, um, you know, then the player skill difference is very, you know, minutiae at that point anyways, because mm-hmm. they're actually operating at that level, um, you know, irrespective of that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there's also a big factor here in that in teams, because you're aiming for points rather than for a win or a loss, um, it's completely different when you play against someone who's just trying to scrape for points. Mm-hmm who accepts that they've lost the game. That doesn't that doesn't really happen too much in singles. Mm-hmm. Like it will go to probably like round three or four in the game before you're like, look, I know I've lost this game, but I'm going to try and get as many points as I can so I get a good ranking. Mm-hmm. Whereas in teams, you go into the game like, I know I've lost this game, but I'm going to make it hell for you to try and get any points off <laughs> yeah. me. Um, and when you get a good player doing that, oh my God. And players naturally gravitate in the team format to different roles in a certain sense, don't they? So I think that... You know, if you look at Team England, Manny Chima on Aldari, you know, he is a, a single, you know, I, I, I don't want to briefcase him. Um, but, um, you know, he's <laughs> probably a, a pusher if anyone was to say that maybe, right? So um, perhaps pushing on Aldari is, uh, is the best thing, you know, is, is something that suits his or his play style or his mindset, so to speak. Because it is a bit of a mindset I think you have to adopt, right? You're not only, you're not in the mindset of winning a game, you're in the mindset of crushing your opponent as much as possible. Which is um, which is a different way of, you know. I think you have to be able to adopt that mindset, which is a bit of a skill in and of itself, isn't it? Yeah, one of the um, Enter the Matrix episodes that Typhus did with Nathan mm-hmm. on roles within a team. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think one of the points they discuss there is there's a lot of benefits to putting your strongest player on the strongest army in your team. Yep. You know, I, I don't know how much I subscribe to that. I think there's a lot of argument to be had, but these are people who are much more experienced, so they know what they're talking mm-hmm. about. 
Um, and, you know, Manny fits into that category. He's probably the, like, technically strongest player in our roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets the strongest army because he will be able to be more consistent. And mm. the results of that army, like, I, I think it's actually extremely hard to play for high points differentials. Uh, it's, it's a very highly skilled thing. It, you know, it might seem like you have to be so techy to try and scrap for points and keep a close draw or something. But actually, it's it's an incredible skill to be able to push for a high point score. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of benefit to having your strongest player on the strongest list. I think uh, some people, and this touches on this point, uh, some teams, in my experience, also don't subscribe to the, uh, to the to the philosophy perhaps here that you've you've displayed in Team England, which is that there is no such thing as a faction specialist, right? Um, that obviously was not true for Australia last year. Uh, most definitely, um, you know, Eric playing GSC is the, the classic example, right? Like the guy's played 200 points for like years. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So yeah. that's the opposite side of the coin, right? Is that lots of teams have different ideas around, okay, well, if this person's very good at that, even if that's the pusher faction, they could learn the pusher role as opposed to learning the faction, um, for example. Yeah, I think there there are role specialists, though, I think. Is probably is how I would look at um, teams. Mm. There, there are like not maybe roles or archetype specialists. Like you could take Nassim for example. There was a very good chance Nassim during our preparation would have been on a melee non-shooting board control army. Sure. Right? Have you ever seen Nassim play an army like that ever in his singles experience? <laughs> uh, no, never. He's always played deep striking, fast moving, shooty armies. Mm-hmm. It was much more fit for him to be on, say, Tau or Death Watch, um, something like that. Even even Eldari, mm-hmm. you know, even though he's never played Eldari before, that role and that particular archetype is something he has a lot of experience with. So mm-hmm. I think that's one way of widening the possible factions that players in your team can play. Mm. And I think there's a lot of benefit to uh, playing a lot of factions and testing a lot of factions, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you know, you understand the game a lot more comprehensively. I know that in tournaments I've played, the difference between when I feel comfortable and when I don't feel comfortable is often has oftentimes just been the difference in whether I've won it or not. Um, you know, I've been like, oh, I sort of know how this army works. Like I'm going to have to like, okay, you know, fly it by see my pants versus like, oh yeah, I know that strat. I know that, like, these guys move these far. You know, I got my rules there. Oh, definitely. You know, right? the, the biggest jump you can do uh, against a new faction that you never played against is the difference between the first time you play it and the second time you yeah, play it. Yeah, of course. GSC, yeah. everyone's been there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, loads of stuff. I mean, I played Tyranids for the first what? time the other day. Wait, you played um, with them? No, oh. against them. <laughs> and I uh, like I just completely had no idea like what their rules were. I was just like, don't tell me anything, let's just go. <laughs> and and now that I replay it, just thinking of how many different things and how much better my understanding of the matchup is is incredible. So I think um try like my biggest thing with this preparation is trying to get one game into every faction that we're likely to see. Mm. At least. Yeah um if not more on the ones i think i'm more likely to play against mm. so that's kind of i guess uh that kind of covers the preparation phase out of 10 how would you say the preparation was if you had to be honest um i would say it was 10 out of 10 in terms of it was completely eye-opening for me and in terms of player development player skill development i had started stagnating a little bit uh, in terms of improving as a player. And I think this has been like a little spike up mm-hmm. in my personal player nice. skill. 
Um, so in terms of that, 10 out of 10. In terms of how well prepared we are for the tournament, I don't know, maybe like a, a, a seven or an eight. Like we, we gave it a really good shot. We absolutely could always do more. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not we have the optimal factions, it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm whether we have the optimal list design choices. I'm, I'm not entirely sure on either of those points, um, but I think we're, we're in a position where we can give it a damn good shot. Yeah, well, props to you for being honest. Of course, it's not easy. Um, I think, you know, it's, uh, I think one thing that's been, I mean, one thing that's been eye-opening for me is the amount of work that some of these teams are putting in. It's just um, crazy. It's on another level. I think, I wonder about how good of a singles player I could be if I put in as much <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Like we're we're going to tournaments with like two practice games, <laughs> a lot of the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, we're also playing like lists that came out a week afterwards. You know, so it's a it's a lot different, right? It's a lot different environment. Um, but... The the pressure is high though. In in singles, if you lose a game, well, fine. You know, you lost it. Yeah, you tried your best. Whatever. In teams, you you just can't let your whole team down. Like you can't be the person who got a. Th- in my opinion, I can't be the person who got a three seventeen yeah. when it should have been a draw. Yeah, you know, and that's what tipped us from a draw into a loss. Uh, like, yeah. phew, that's a pressure in its in itself, you know. And I think that pushes you to prepare more and more. Yeah. You don't want to get caught out. Yeah, that's interesting. That's uh, uh okay, interesting. I think that um, <laughs> I've you know, uh, perhaps wrongly, I've been kind of. I've had that. Uh, I've had this phrase in my mind: um, shared pressure, shared glory. If you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. if the mm-hmm. pressure is divided among everyone, so is the glory. And the singles is the antithesis of that in every regard, isn't it? Really, it's it's soul pressure, soul glory. <laughs> it's That's a bit it. like Highlanders. <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's i mean i don't fully subscribe to that uh but um that's kind of yep. was one thing when i thought about teams right well you know way back i was like well you know you kind of win together you, you know it's like wow you know but singles you know you win by yourself <laughs> you get more glory, <laughs> more glory. <laughs> so um but yeah i do take your point yeah there's because obviously you're a part of a social structure that is um you know, if the team social structure has a pressure cooker, is a pressure cooker in and of itself, right? Because you are um, socially around the same people all of the time as well, right? And you're not just invested in your own success, but the success of the team, which is a, a higher, you know, higher calling for lack of better words in that sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that was a deep chat. That was interesting. <laughs> good. Well, um, I think for New Zealand, um, mm-hmm. should we should we go on to the goals, which I think is interesting? yeah um, okay go. what's what's the goal man what are you planning I'll on go first um you yeah. know what my goal is here my mm. goal for team new zealand is to generate enough enthusiasm to get another team back next year i think that's mm. if i i think if we accomplish that i'll be more than happy because that's the start of something really really fun and really positive right you know we're just on the beginning of our journey in a, in a lot of ways and um you know in a lot of ways it doesn't really matter how we do right um just the fact that we've got eight you know i'm really proud of the fact that we've got eight new zealanders playing you know a lot of teams have three mercenaries and you know or countries that are a lot closer or a lot bigger than new zealand right um you know mm-hmm. have you know three mercenaries or four mercenaries something like that and a part of me sort of thinks well you know like is that real like does that kind of defeat the purpose right like is it is that the point of wtc to compete with people that are not from your nation so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, it's not really representative of how your nation does, right? How good your nation is. Um, 
because you know, a the, the, well, obviously those people went from your nation. So you know, I'm really proud of that. And it's you know, New Zealand is the furthest traveling country from out of any country to date. So it's a, it's a awesome. big effort um, to get people across. And so if we can replicate even something of that um, that amount of effort next year, then I think it'll be a big win. But having said that, though, I think our lists are pretty good. I think they are yeah. they are indicative of someone who's had the oversight of a singles orientated view. <laughs> which is uh, obviously yeah. myself um and because i i wanted to have the premise you know i chatted with the guys before and as you know i posted this message like a month ago back and i said look the bare minimum that we need is we're not going to be playing any lists that can get 20 owed like we're not we yeah. all want to play low uh high floor lists because i want to make even the rounds where we have got you know statistically no chance i want to make them as competitive as possible and sometimes if you've just got three people that are getting stomped you know, it's like, you know, it's very easy to bring the morale down like that. You know, it's like, well, why even try at that point? And it's very difficult to benchmark how well you've actually done if you've just gotten kind of cakewalked a little bit. So try mm -hmm. and make the games as competitive as possible. And the best way of doing that is, you know, in the list building phase, make sure you've got the right tools for the job. And if you haven't got the right tools for the job, um, then, you know, it's going to be an uphill struggle from there, right? So um, Absolutely. It, that's where I think, you know, it's very clear that, you know, we don't have anywhere near the levels of complexity or, or, you know, we don't have five people doing pairings for us to know that, oh, our knights will probably be the seventh or eighth pairing when most people have these factions out already, for example, right? Um, <laughs> which is the level that all these guys go to, but they do it for seven, you know, five out of eight of their factions are built like that. Um, which is crazy mm -hmm. because the level of knowledge that requires is huge. So um, good list. Have a good time. Um, we've got, uh, we've got a funny pod, but I think, um, you know, we got, I think we could maybe scrap. I think we could probably get into the, the middle of seed three. I think maybe like, who, have, who have you got in your pod? Who have we got in our pod? Alrighty. Yeah. We got the spicy one, mate. We've got, <laughs> <laughs> we've got team Australia round one. Oh, uh, which is the, what are the, the chances? <laughs> well, <laughs> one and nine, <laughs> um, which are the reigning champions from last year. Uh, they won the sporting, the singles, and the overall. And, um, you know, because I was chatting with Liam uh, beforehand, before we, we chatted uh, this morning, and I said, you know, is there anything you don't want to talk about? And I said, you know, between us, mate, like, you know, this, you know, you guys are obviously a much better Warhammer nation than us. Of course. No one would ever deny that. And I said, I would be really, I told him, I said, I'd be really happy if you could, after the game, just walk us through, you know, hey, maybe you guys could improve on this, you know, think about this, like, oh, when we looked at your lists, we kind of saw these errors, like, make sure you try and work on that. And I think, we're, in a lot of ways, actually, we're really lucky, because New Zealand and Australia have a have a kind of brotherhood, so to speak, you know, like a big brother, little brother thing, where um, any other team that we drew in the world, um, you know, with all due respect, like Team England, I don't think would give us the, the brotherly hard feedback of like oh you know do this and do that and actually really be mm. in our corner of like hey you know how are you guys doing like oh you know oh how did that thing go or you know for example because i think that there would be a team that out of any of the seed ones would genuinely want us to see you know see us do better right um so in a lot mm. of ways we're super lucky because a they're really nice guys and, and actually b i've never played any of them before yeah in a lot of ways it's great and then we've got We've got Belgium, of course, um, which uh, Liam Vissel uh, and our team is a part of. Oh, that was a laugh. Uh, and then that's a tough one. They're such a strong team, for sure. And uh, Alexander Seco yeah. in that team as well, and Guillaume. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we've got Portugal. Now, I'm not going to shit talk Portugal at all, um, but I think we can beat Portugal. That's, my, oh. that's what I'm going for. 
Yeah, hunt them down. <laughs> I think you know. I think there was something said that New Zealand might be the like, the, the more competitive. You know, maybe the top of seed four. Uh, and yep. um, I think you know what we've got. Um, we've got. We've got. We've got nothing to lose. We've got everything to gain, which is actually probably the best <laughs> position to be into from a mental health perspective, isn't it? Like, I, oh, I just get to go and have a great weekend, but um, a lot of people have to stress out, and I can just sit back and look at everything, and it's a little bit of a different uh, experience for me for once in my life. <laughs> Anyway, that's my goals. What's the, what's, how, you know, what, I guess maybe this would be, I know the answer to this already, but I'm going to say what I would have said otherwise. Um, Mm. I think my interpretation of how Team England would set themselves is, you know, it's win or nothing. Is, Is that correct to, is that straight on the money or is that like, you know, there is, there's pluses or minuses to that? I think it's just like going to a singles event, Dave. You know where you go? You can't go in that I have to win this entire event. Well, yeah. But <laughs> what what you can do is aim for something which is realistic and has a, a window mm-hmm. of success. And I think our window of success is try and hit the podium yep. here. I think if we miss the podium, we will feel like, you know, damn. Mm. But if we don't get first and we get second, we'd be like, you know what? Good effort, boys. Yeah. Um, so that would be it. I don't think it's it's win or nothing. It's like we have to do well. That's that's what we're aiming for. We're aiming to do well. Yeah. Is there a... Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, it's always interesting when you... Uh, it's always... Um, I mean, I'm going to... Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I should. Uh, it's always interesting when you set your goal as a as a placing or as a ranking right isn't it because at the end of the day there's still going to be things out of your control and it can be sometimes detrimental to say i want to come x or i want to come y right mm. i mean that's something certainly that i've been dealing with uh, over over the years you know because there are going to be things that are out of your out of your control as well um so it's i think from a from a um expectations perspective you know or defining what success looks like too it's also important to have those in you know less tangible things right like you know did everyone put in their best effort like was the post you know Mm. post-mortem like we you know we actually did everything we want to try or we were happy with this or happy with that you know um which is interesting problem with that in teams compared to singles in singles you know you could you could be the better player and still lose a Mm -hmm. game no and that happens very often you need sometimes you need a bit of luck to actually win a big Mm -hmm. event with teams you're spread out across eight players eight games with a huge number of variables Mm -hmm. that are in your control before the game start and i think that's where things change because if you then go and analyze afterwards it's not like singles where you'll pick up oh i made a slight movement mistake here It'll be, I. this is wrong, this is wrong. All of these pairings are wrong because that was wrong. Fuck, throw it out all the windows. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, sure, you got unlucky in this game, but we got lucky in that yeah. game, you know? Yeah. And it, it evens out across eight players. That's just what happens. That's what happened to Birmingham. So, <laughs> yeah, so that that's, that's a big factor here in terms of setting goals yeah. as a ranking, I would that's say. That's true. And it's, it's more kind of possible and potentially you know not as unhealthy as it would be in singles mm-hmm. to set a goal which is a ranking the architects of your own destiny there's some saying like that isn't it um, <laughs> yeah something but, um, like that yeah and look I, I, I agree as well is that teams have of of my observations uh is that due to the total number of variables in games play that there is much more in your control than singles for example right? like singles is like 
well, I hit this one. That happens. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, which is, you know, can have dramatic effects as well. So I generally speaking, I do agree with you that, um, you know, there's, there's much less luck uh, in teams, which is probably mm-hmm. why we see the same common teams as I've been learning uh, other kind of the big dogs in the in the world, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, teams which focus on teams like Poland, yeah. like oh, really yeah, they, do they just only play teams. Yeah. It's just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's a reason why these guys are so good and why preparation actually makes a difference to outcome. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I, one thing I would say, Dave, and one thing I think you're very, in a very lucky position to be, because I think, you know, there was every chance you could have played for England, for example, sure. yeah. you know? Um, because you're playing for New Zealand, I think you are going to be able to achieve a personal goal, which I really want to achieve, but I think will be more difficult for me because I'm on Team England, yeah. which is to develop relationships with the international community. Because oh, yeah. there is there is no better event than this. This is the a group of people who all share the same interests as you in competitive 40k from across the world all competing and the same thing and the connections you are bound to build up in wtc and i know i will as well i know we both will are going to be something that lasts with us throughout the time that we play the hobby true so and you know on that point is a very good point is that uh, a lot of my you know a lot of my best friends now are people that i met through warhammer right so you know Mm -hmm. the complete end of that spectrum is you might meet someone who's a best friend for life right at wtc which is a pretty mm-hmm. cool possibility when you think about it right um oh, which sure. is uh, which is really cool yeah uh so yeah i am excited about that although i was just talking you know so i'm doing the singles um which is uh you know hopefully gonna be eight rounds i'm doing the okay. the main event of course seven rounds i'm doing the pairings <laughs> i'm doing the coaching so <laughs> i don't know how much oh, time i got there's only five figures of the drinking when does that come in Dude, uh, we, we'll send one of our coaches over to you. Man. Oh my god, <laughs> I would not say no. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to be like sub coached by uh, like Yoko or Brian or like <laughs> or Anthony. I was like, hey, hey, hey. like just uh, running into this thing. What are your thoughts on this? And they're going to be like, shut up, go away. We've got an important game. <laughs> but uh, yes, you're right. I'm uh, I'm I'm very lucky. It's 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 really cool to not have the pressure ones which is nice mm-hmm. um of course but i mean you know source pressure there's still people i want to beat and more like that um you know i'm still still worried you know that this might be the first time a lot of european players have you know seen me play for example or i don't know if you've this has crossed your mind but you know ooh, what will people think when they see me play like am i am i actually good you know and because one other thing that's been really common uh in my realization is that you know over here in the uk and the usa and we both are, you know, prime examples of this, um, you know, we get a lot of coverage around, you know, results and what like that as well, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, are you actually good, right? It's like, well, you know, I don't know, we get a lot of coverage, but that doesn't necessarily correlate to the fact that you're actually a good player. Um, so it's, um, it's kind of like, I, I feel like I'm the small, I'm the very small fish in a, in a, in a huge pond. And, uh, and, you know, I'm wondering in the back of my head, like, oh, when people see me play, are they going to be like, man, this guy was nowhere near as good as I thought he was going to (laughs) be. Yeah, this, this is going to be unique for us because, you know, we, we feel like we're top of the class, you know, we're in set one of our class, our maths class. And then you go do maths at Oxford University (laughs) and you are, you are not at the top of that (laughs) class for sure. And that is how it's going to feel a little bit for us. I I know it will be, but 
you know, th that that doesn't mean that we're going to do bad. I don't think. I think you know there are going to be players who are a little bit better than us, but I, I know for sure, Dave, we are both good enough to compete in this level. So mm. we'll be fine. Hope so. Should we uh, take a little bit of a break and then let's move on to some some listy McLists? Uh, oh yes. We you know oh, Vic and I are going to cut to some jazz while we work out the contracts on this one. Uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Vic and I have been having a top secret chat over the, uh, over the <laughs> break. Uh, it's been great. Um, okay, a little bit of disclaimer for this part. Vic's not really going to be chatting or going into depth about why they kind of picked some of their um, team lineups because uh, I guarantee you that uh, probably everyone at WTC is going to listen to this podcast. Um, so guess what, losers? It's just the team news on here <laughs> from in and out. So unless you're Portugal, Belgium, or Australia, you can fuck off. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay um love it yeah yeah okay cool so i think it would be really cool to get your um critical take uh vic on the list that we took yeah. throwing you under the bus right here yeah. have you got best ghost pairings over yeah i've got i've got them all up. you guys are filthy meta chasers Ooh. look at this this lineup is powerful and i think you have gone for what can I say? The WTC meta lineup. Yeah. I, I think the only thing you're potentially missing is Thousand yeah, Suns sure. out of the popular yep. ones. Um, but lit, everything else is is hot and the lists also look hot was my first take. Nice. Um, I can see the benefits of collaboration in this situation. Mm, yeah. we're, uh, because, we're definitely one of those people that have a lot to gain, so to speak, right? Yeah, because uh, like all of your players have optimized lists mm -hmm. here. Like all of them are the strong lists in the setup, what you would consider the meta lists for these particular factions. Mm -hmm. um, I like it, man. I just looked at the CSM list for 12, oh. uh, 12 oh. obliterators, oh. two Hellbrews. This is <laughs> delicious with the Hellbrews. Oh, That's a lot of shots. Two, two four chains. <laughs> yeah, you'll go through, like, imagine you're playing Australia round yeah, one. Whoa. They've got two knight lists. You got that Chaos Spaceman with the Hellbrew tech then. Liam already told me that I'm playing knights, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Liam was like, I'm not playing you, David. Brody is not playing you. You can play knights. <laughs> I was like, damn. Um, but that's how it goes, really. Yeah, that's, it's cool. Um, So what are the factions that we've got that you haven't got? I believe it's, there's a lot of overlap here, of course, but is it just knights? Um, I think if you just swap Oh no, we've, there's two differences okay. in there. So if you knights and necros, oh, yes, I swapped the thousand suns and imperial guard cool. for us, and then the the rest of the. So what, I guess we won't talk about your list that you're taking, but these two mm. lists, did you play with necrons and imperial knights? And because I guess the interesting point here is why didn't you guys take them without you know giving anything away or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, I guess it's not really a big spoiler because you know you haven't taken oh, them, right? But clearly them. the the ideas are divulging here, and you know. The caveat here is that you know we are working with people who are maybe more comfortable on on certain things as well right so there's you know is uh, every single team kind of at our level is also dealing with stuff like that but I'll, I'll allow you to go on what imperial knights alex harrison actually played imperial knights at the last wtc not a fan of it this year he did i mean we had multiple players testing it mm -hmm um and coming up with conclusions on the correct type of list now i don't know if you found this but imperial knights uh, seem scarier than they are when they shoot you. Mm -hmm. 
I, they, they kind of shoot you and you're like, okay, is that it? <laughs> then, uh, the Crusader, the Crusader shoots a lot. I'll give, I'll give him that. Yes. So there are lots of guns. And I mean, in this case, you've gone for the three big knights yep. and the three small knights, mm -hmm. right? Um, so the, the issue is uh, at this level and what we're aiming to do, you want to avoid factions that can get locked out of a lot of points or take a big loss. Yes. Now, I don't know if we've necessarily achieved that because you could argue that's a problem with the Imperial Guard mm -hmm. list, yep. right? Um, but I would definitely say that's a problem with the Knights. When you early in the game lose, let's say, a big Knight and a couple of small Knights, let's say you take that level of damage, which a lot of armies can yep. do, you suddenly have like four units in your army and you you know you want to hold an objective you want to do an action you're suddenly missing a lot of cards that you're drawing yeah. and regardless of if you table your opponent you're um you're falling behind on pushing a differential of any kind yeah. and the game is just spiraling towards either a draw or if your resources are dying too quickly are spiraling towards a very bad yeah. loss and i think um one thing that typhus said is that knights need a lot of babysitting in the pairings so oh, they definitely. kind of need the right things to go right and look I, yeah 100 percent agree um, what I would say though, there's a couple of pros to Knights, which I kind of adopted was that one, if you're playing your first WTC, um, and you've got three big Knights and you're playing a lot of games, a lot of pressure, uh, in Europe where you might be jet lagged, there's a, there's quite an advantage to playing a, an army that is somewhat direct, right? On the mm -hmm. nose. Uh, and then second, which I think is just, you know, is in the same fashion is that if, as the days go by, maybe people have a few more drinks. They might forget about the fact that um, knights, for some reason, which I always freaking forget this upgrade, is that um, they have an enhancement. I don't know if you've ran into this one called the Mysterious Guardian, and the one where they disappear and come back. <laughs> and um, you know, you know what, Mysterious Guardian on a knight that has a lot of shooting and towering is kind of easy to forget about. I mean, I, maybe I sound like an idiot, but it's like towering adds so much more difficulty to hide some freaking models, and it's like. Well, I just deep strike like this and I point my gun over and then yeah, I can see you. It's like, well, okay, yep. okay. But I think that's the two pro, you know, the two pros to them. And with Alex Taus has always played Knights. Um, he's been playing for a long time. So that's one, that's one that he's, uh, he's chosen to go, go for as well. And um, yeah, I, I think you are right though, is that they, they kind of need some things to go the right way. And if you, the more you babysit a faction in the pairings, the worse your other pairings are going to be meeting optimal lineups, right? Like the lower chance that your GSC or your Aldari is going to meet the, the right lineup. Um, so. Yeah, and it's not to say Knights are bad. They are, they are really vying for a spot in the top mm -hmm. eight. I think uh, that's what we found anyway. We had Knights all the way to the end. All the end. way to the end. Uh, it was the last faction that we changed on the day before submission. Yeah. And then um, uh, Necrons as well, which is surprising because Christopher Kinnear played Necrons against us at Birmingham. He's been kind of, I guess, known as someone who plays a lot of Necrons. But um, mm -hmm. Necrons not in the in the top eight, which to me is is mind-blowing. I think they're actually really powerful. I think they're a fifth mm -hmm. or sixth, maybe. And this, there's actually a lot of diversity in builds you can do for them. You've got Liam Hackett at one end. You've got Team Germany with three Transcendent Satans. You've got Team Poland has taken it as well. So, yeah, was, was it just that... Was it more the fact that you guys didn't find someone that really locked into them or was just the fundamental power level? I think uh, in this situation where it's not clear exactly what the absolute best combination of factions mm -hmm. is, um, 
I think in this situation, there's always going to be something which you're going to regret. Like you're going to feel like at this situation, oh, I wish I'd taken that, you mm -hmm. know. And that could easily have been us. Let's say we took the Necrons and didn't take the Imperial yep. Guard. And I think you know there is a chance that it might come back to bite us that we haven't taken Necrons. Not to blow my but... own horn either, but I was also practicing Necrons for singles as well. That's how good I thought they were in the team chat yes. as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, but. You know, everyone's practice will show different things. Yeah. And our, our decisions are based on our practice. So yeah. I think it showed that the Necrons don't make the top. Yeah, and, so... and, you know, the reality is behind all these decisions that, you know, certain factions have certain roles as well, right? Which, you know, isn't necessarily yeah. linked to their fundamental ability to win a singles tournament, which is me transposing, you know, the, the Necrons singles ability into the team's run. Oh, yeah. I mean, l let's say we had you in our team, in Team England. Mm. Um, potentially the kind of insights and the research that you would have done into Necrons might have pushed them mm. to be in the top mm -hmm. eight. Um, and uh, this is actually a really interesting point about the the meta, because uh, actually I think this tournament is going to have a massive impact on the 10th edition Huge. meta, because there are so many things in these lists <laughs> that you don't see in the singles list at the yeah. moment. And um, the speed at which this information disseminates into the community is, is going to be hilarious. Very I, think. I think loads of the tech ideas and things are going to appear in other people's lists and singles tournaments. Yep. And within a few weeks, everyone will act like it's always been yep. there. I think, I think um, there's probably an unparalleled part of 40K, isn't it? Where all the top players have gone into silence um, for a month. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you get an influx of the best list for every faction to date, right? It's like... And all of a sudden, if we take Thousand Suns, for example, mm -hmm. there's like a small handful of people who've taken 10 Terminators in the Thousand yes. Suns yep. list. But if you look at the singles Thousand Suns list, pretty much everyone is running 10 really? Terminators. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah, that's just the standard build. But we know from our research that's not necessarily the optimal build at mm. all. Taroxor, um, also playing, as I'm sure you've you've looked at Taroxor's list, playing 10 Terminators. Yes. He does have ten terminators, so oh my god, he's gonna he's gonna get me back Ooh. for that statement. Uh, what have I put out into the he's world? He's played a lot of thousand suns, mate. That's awesome. Um, did you want to run me through uh, what you're bringing? I guess Vic, you yeah, are I mean, playing I, I, the thousand suns. I've got the thousand suns, and I'm super happy to be on the thousand suns because I think they're potentially the most fun army yeah. to play in in tenth edition at the moment. I also remember when you and I were playing them in ninth edition too, right? Like having a blast as well. Uh, they oh, also just... look super sweet, and your Thousand Suns are also painted really well. So, like, oh, winning on all fronts sons. there, really, aren't you? Yeah, and and now obviously I can actually put Magnus on the oh. table. So, oh, it's brilliant. So, uh, yeah, I've got a Thousand Suns list that has come off the back of um, you know some advantages for me because I have picked up on some tech pieces that other people yep. haven't. The only person who has kind of gone on a similar kind of vein to me is Ar Arne, oh, yeah. Arne from Team yep. Germany. Um, and I was really amazed because we don't we don't talk we haven't talked about any of this but we've come to similar ideas um, built around a few units which aren't popular at the moment in the singles mm -hmm. meta like the exalted sorcerer on disc um, a lot of people are playing you know the um, infernal masters but we both have three infernal masters in our rubric squads yep. rather than spamming the sorcerers we spam the infernal masters for more output efficiency ah. um, and for having more cabal points to make more of those players. Yep. And there are a lot of things which, you know, design decisions which are very different from the group of people who went to the Pyro Cup. Yep. Uh, and I'm kind of happy and excited about that as well.
I remember when 10th edition first dropped, we were playing like some very early games, right? And we were mm. playing uh, Death Watch vs. Thousand Suns, I think we played. And for me, I was oh kind gosh. of really unsure <laughs> about Magnus or no Magnus, but it seems like everyone has yeah. landed on Camp Magnus, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, pretty much everyone is on, except Australia. I think they have no Magnus. They're the only, like, top team who doesn't Ooh. have Magnus for some reason. Okay. And they have 10 Terminators. I don't know what's going on there, but I don't want to underestimate Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, but otherwise, everyone's got Magnus. And, and oh, I they're think, playing the triple mutalithic Vortex Beast. Yeah, as, a, as an output uh, option, I think Magnus is the key output of this entire mm. list. Um, so yeah, in, in my take and the way I'm playing it, but I think Thousand Suns is one of those armies where so much of the tech is hidden behind face value almost yeah. like you look at it and you're like, oh, you put all of these strats into the Terminators and they shoot something and that thing yeah. dies. I don't like it. But, but okay. yeah, the value is so much more on little tech pieces like the Rhino or, mm -hmm. you know, the little tricks you can do with the Vortex Beast yeah. or the movement shenanigans you can do with the Exalted Sorcerer or Magnus. Yeah. So um, I think it's going to be awesome to see some Thousand Suns play on the WTC streams. I'm, and I think it's going to open up people to a lot of different tech that they haven't realized can be done. I'm going to claim this, but who was right in terms of the number of Mutalith Vortex Beasts in the end? Because I remember you and I were debating this, right? I, I'm, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing at the start. <laughs> Because I went straight in with like no Magnus, no Terminators, uh, three Mutalith Vortex. I, mean, I think I ran yeah. two against you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think you could probably get away with two. Yeah. Uh, you could get, also get away with zero. And I really like having One's one. That's nice. You get the special ability if you've got one, two, or three, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that's how that thing works. Uh, that's great. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm playing the old Death Watch. Super fun faction. I'm obviously I'm playing Eldari for singles, the single Wraith Knight, the 20 Wraith Guard build. Um, but for teams, yeah, playing Death Watch. Uh, and um, had a great time working with uh, Chris Redford, who is playing the lead Super Major at the same time, will be playing WTC from our team. And um, yeah, he kind of sold me on some ideas late into the uh, late into the um, into the go there. And you know, originally I was like, I had um, spoken with some other Death Watch players or, or Marines players who are at the WTC. I was kind of like, hey, you know, what are you feeling? You know, do you want to collaborate and see where we're at? Um, and they were, they were kind of quite far away from where I was. They had a lot of tech. They had, you know, I think Death Watch is, you know, well, Death Watch is the best faction to beat Gene Steeler Cult. I think that's just like, that's not even a secret, right? You can 20-0 Gene Steeler Cult if they make a mistake, like in one turn, mm -hmm. um, and lock them out of the game hard. And a lot of people had gone into a lot of tech of playing Gene Steeler Cult. Um, you know, they've got like the Phobos Liberian, they've got three units of Inceptors and stuff like that. And, um, uh, and like, you know, and then um, the, the Infiltrator guy and then maybe the, the Librarian and stuff or, you know, Rapid Ingressing and stuff. And um, for me, I was kind of like, what is the bare minimum I can play to get like an 18-2 on Gene Steel Cult? Uh, and then after that, just have like the best all-round matchup, which also kind of speaks volumes to my role in the team as well as like a, you know, as an all-rounder. Uh, and... Yeah, that's why I went with uh, that's why I went with playing thirty five Death Watch veterans. I was originally at 50, 50 big ones, um, and then I got a captain, watchmaster. I got uh, a unit of three interceptors, uh, two units of five infiltrators, the one speeder, uh, and then I've got what something which I've just been having a blast with the Proteus Kill team, which uh, Chris Radford and I were discussing and, and testing out. We had a mirror match game um, right before the submission, and uh, I just love them. They're just it's just 
it's so great that you get to play Proteus Kill Teams because I wanted to play them for so long as well. <laughs> I've actually had the I've actually had the entire Kill Team unassembled <laughs> in nice. my room, so awesome. uh, I was really happy to be like, oh yes, finally they're good. So that's such a fun unit advance and charge, and on these pretty dense boards, like it's like the melee output of them is like surprisingly relevant. And um, you know you got the biker there who can move fourteen plus advance and charge, so you know you're not just playing with slow terminators and, and veterans for the most part. So I love it. Death Watch has been really, really awesome. I got 10 Desolators, of course. Um, been really super fun. Like, you got so much shooting as well, man. Like, oh boy. Frag Cannons just, uh, they look at anything that doesn't have the Imperium or Chaos keyword. And uh, <laughs> it's right. just like, great. Uh, let's go. Good thing, uh, good thing Eldar and uh, GSC fall into that kind yes, of Yes, for sure, yeah. Even if you've got Wraith Guard, you know, minus one to wound, uh, you've actually just got anti infantry two plus. So, um, you can shred Wraithguard for a living, actually. You just pop the strat, mm -hmm. anti-infantry 2+, plus, four rerolls to hit and wound, exploding sixes, boom. Ignore cover, AP2. Pick, almost pick up a whole squad, really. Um, great fun. I've been, watching, been loving them. But um, was there any... Oh, I did want to touch on one thing. Mm -hmm. I feel like one interesting part of the uh, pods, one thing that struck out to me, as you're probably going to know where I'm going with this, is uh, Team Spain, who, uh, after my oh, discussion yeah. with a lot of people... A lot of people argue that Team Spain is arguably a seed one team. Um, by the way, mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, completely profess my ignorance and everything like that, right? Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of people were like, Team Spain are really, really, really good. And they have, you know, they have a country that plays a lot of team games and a lot of huge single tournaments that we don't really know about. So are you kind of, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'm just going to assume if I was teaming a captain, I would only be preparing to beat team spain in my pot but are you kind of worried about that because they've got some really weird lists too right and i don't know i feel like that's maybe if there's going to be one upset I, I don't want to make you feel bad but if there's going to be one upset in the pod stages it feels like it could be spain versus england right well, i mean i think a lot of people would hope for that as well <laughs> but i think in in our pod we have obviously spain and bulgaria and um, the interesting thing about Bulgaria is that you look at their lists and they're, they're like your, your team's yep. lists, where you look at every list and you're like, yeah, th that looks strong, that looks strong, that looks mm -hmm. strong. And then you look at Team Spain's lists and you look through them and like, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, wh why have they done this? Why have they done that? Why? Like, surely that's not the optimal play. Like, when's the last time you played into five greater demons of it? <laughs> there's some there's some weird stuff in there in the spain list so i'm um, i'm really um i'm kind of worried about it to be mm -hmm. honest because um i think we're also playing them in a very interesting mission yes. yeah this mission is uh, yeah, super so, brutal as well i feel um so yeah we'll we'll see how it goes i think we can't underestimate it but i think if you put our lineups against each other i would say that the majority of people would say we have the stronger list lineup. Yep um but whether or not that translates into how it actually plays out on the board yeah. because the, the, you're right the scary thing is what what are we missing yeah. in this yeah. and, and if we are could that tilt everything I, on our if i'm if i'm arguing for spain here which you know i don't really care mm. either way um if i'm arguing for spain and i look at their lists and i'm like what's the one mission maybe i'd want to play <laughs> it's probably yeah. the mission where you don't have to hold your home objective and you brawl in the middle right <laughs> like you know you got blood you know you got blood angels uh you know four greater orcs. demons orcs custodes like yeah 
I mean, it's, uh, it's worked out nicely for them. So we'll see how it uh, how it kind of pans out for us. But fingers. Crossed. I mean, I'm sure they would have maybe wanted an, an easier. Well, if there is an easier seed one team as well, right? But um, yeah, that's a uh, that's a spicy one. I feel. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be really exciting, and I'm really excited to meet the Spanish guys. Yeah. You know, um, I think hopefully share some ideas. I know they are like I I've heard of a couple of the players there, but a lot of them I haven't yeah. heard of. Um, I've got so, a question. Yeah. Last question before we wrap it off, because um, uh, we're running mm. OT. Um, yeah, what sure. is the one team of players that you really want to meet in person? One team. If you could only I go, really... here's, here's a bit of question. If you could only go to play yeah. WTC against one team, and it doesn't matter if you want to lose, what team would you want to play against? Oh, it's a really interesting one. There's so many good options. Um, uh, I think... I really want to, oh my God, because I'm trying to decide between Canada, Australia, and Sweden. Okay, yep. Uh, because like, I know, uh, like, I don't know anyone in Australia. I would love to get to know them, especially yep, Liam. for sure. Uh, Canada, they're all so nice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ridvan's awesome. And I played against Chris mm-hmm. before. And Sweden, Jonathan's like, is a legend. And I've had phone calls with him in the past about sisters, etc. Yep. Um, so I'd love to get to know them more. Um the, oh my god, there's so many. And then the Denmark uh, captain like messaged me, and we were chatting. Nice. A bit and he, he seemed like a cool guy. Um, so I don't know, man. One team I would love to be. Did I, and if I'm only going to play one game, one round yeah. against one That's team. That's you are. But you can meet him. I, I would like to play that round against Australia. Australia, I think. That's a good answer. Yeah. Australia's Australia's pretty top tier in terms of like who you'd want to play against, you know. I think you know. Definitely. I think it would just be such a good laugh, and I'd learn a lot about a completely <laughs> different way of playing the game. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of learning opportunities, and uh, Australia do combine. They have like they have, I think, the most optimal balance of sportsmanship and um, and power, right? Yeah. Which is as long as I don't get paired into Brody. <laughs> like... That would be a disaster. Just a, like, oh my god, Brody! How many times have we played now? Here we go. <laughs> Wait, I'm gonna look at what is Matt Solly playing. Matt Solly's playing Chaos Knights. All right, Matt Solly. Chaos if Knights. you listen to this, I'm happy to play round one because I would love to get a game uh, against Solly. Um, and I'm never gonna play against Brody or, or Liam anyway, just because of our team makeup. Um, so yeah. I'll lay down the gauntlet here. You know, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, well, what about you, Dave? What's your pick? Man, um, Team England, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Could you I think I've beaten all you guys before, right? Uh, uh, who have I lost against? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, anyone? No one. Uh, actually, uh, Mike Porter, I've lost against. Yeah, and we're one and one actually, Mike Porter and I. Um, <laughs> and I haven't played Hel- uh, Harrison. Uh, I would love to play against uh, Team Belgium, I think, because um, I'm yeah. not going to copy your answer because I've already said like I would. I, we already get to play Australia, so I'm, I'm already going to do that, mm. but. I would love to play against Liam, um, and then I would maybe love to get uh, the Death Watch Mirror against Guillaume. Uh, or, mm-hmm. I mean, geez, they're in our pod as well, I just realized. <laughs> um, <laughs> or I would love to get my revenge on Alexandra Seiko uh, beating me at the LGT, but I mean, he's just going to jam me anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think Belgium would be top tier as well. Uh, really nice bunch of guys, um, and I'm sure they'd be happy to get uh, beers afterwards as well um Definitely. yeah i think france would be really interesting as well you know like i don't know almost anyone that plays on on france 
Oh, I really want to play against Germany. Yeah. That's one. Yeah, I just well, have yeah. a feeling they are absolute monsters at the game. Yeah, I think Germany oh. is top tier as well, I think. Yeah, that's a good one. I've reached the stage in my 40k time where I just want to play against like people who are really, really good yeah. at the game and be like, oh, that's what you're meant you're to do. You're kind of you like, know? you just want to become the fisher. Have you ever seen that show? It's got river hunters or something. It's like this fisherman guy yeah. who just tries to fish the largest freshwater fish or something. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. that's all you want to do now. It's like, you've... it's the only time I'll feel anything, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've, you've been there and done that. And all you want to do is just find the biggest river monsters there. <laughs> you got to get down to the outback in Australia, mate. <laughs> oh dear oh, it's been great catching up uh the um i can't wait for you know um we've been talking a lot about wtc as well and the team uh team tour environment but a part of me is also um kind of disliked uh you know on a personal level um the fact that our team hasn't really been able to function so to speak right um mm-hmm. probably because i'm in one of the less active teams so like you guys are all busy and have your, your team ecosphere, but I'm a little bit detached from my team in a certain extent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, a part of me also can't wait for, you know, regularity, to, you know, yeah, so to speak, and uh, we can get back to doing what, uh, I don't know, what we do best, I guess, you know, for lack of better words, right? Um, but yeah, this, you know, I guess that's, uh, I guess... It's going to be exciting to grow Team Ignite after this, I think. Yeah. I think that's going to be something that we can all look forward to. I mean, to. how good are we going to be at teams after this, man? Oh my god, unstoppable. Oh, <laughs> oh man. We've jinxed Watch it out. Now. England's going to have to... And we know all the England secrets, so we know exactly how they're going to prepare for the next team yep. tournament. Insider information. That's the, that's the gauntlet. I think uh, UKTC has just announced its next team tournament as well, in February. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Episode, what is this, 33? 33, the double threes. Double threes. Oh, it's been good. I've been loving it. Yes. I'm going to go make some dinner. Make a risotto. Mm-hmm. What do you have to do? <laughs> dinner two for me got some leftovers nothing beats Uh, leftovers let's be honest well i hope uh you guys have all listened uh, enjoyed listening to to this maybe a little bit rambly hopefully a little bit interesting and uh you know next time we'll uh see you again for probably a little bit more wtc stuff before we go back to the single stuff there we go if you have any ideas about things maybe we should do intra wtc i might have some time to do some so maybe if you write down the comments get someone on the podcast, I will take my phone around and record some stuff and try and get some people on. So if there's a player you want to ask a question or something, you know, leave it down in the comments or if you want me to go and stir a bit of banter somewhere, um, I'll probably have the time to do it. So maybe leave a comment down there. Even if it's a friend you want to poke some fun at, I'll try to get them on and maybe we'll do like some segments. I might collect everything and we'll do a post-mortem or something. Like Thank you for listening to the 40K Fireside Podcast. Book and I hope you've enjoyed listening and we greatly appreciate any feedback that you can provide after the show. 